Hello, and welcome to the Two Strangers, One NFT Podcast. I'm your co-host, Quesarito. And I'm Omega. Hey, we got a lot uh, on the plate today, Omega. I think today we're going to be talking about the uh, state of crypto as our theme for this uh, podcast episode, yeah? Yeah, man. Yeah. How, yeah. But first, how, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's uh, another sweaty day in, in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's whilst it's raining, it feels like tropical heat because it's about 27 degrees and super humid. Um, mm. But I had a good day. I went into London to, to meet one of my clients and had some burger and lobster, which is, is never a bad thing, right? So no. I spent most of the day listening to some sci-fi audiobooks on the train, eating some food, coming back home, and then diving straight back into crypto and NFTs. Man, that sounds like a good day to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, uh, we just got through a heat wave. I think it was, uh, I don't know what it is in Celsius, but we just hit like 108 to 113. So uh, very much sweaty on this end as well. <laughs> just having <laughs> spent the past two weeks just doing a ton of Twitter spaces. So I feel really happy about going back to podcast mode. <laughs> it's a little saner, better sound quality, and just way more fun in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And Twitter Twitter spaces are interesting because the technology behind it is absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah. Twitter needs to up their game, give us a desktop app, let me use my microphone, not stare at my mobile phone for however many hours that these spaces go on for. Oh, yeah. It's- and then it's like you start a space, you got to wait 10 minutes to get people, and everyone has awful cell phone audio quality, background noises. It's just a miserable experience overall. But if we're talking about the state of crypto, I mean, that's definitely one one facet of it is it seems like a lot of NFT projects and crypto projects love doing Twitter spaces all the time. Um, I'm hoping that that changes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to become a bit more biased because... The more of these podcasts we're doing, the more I like hearing myself speak, it, it seems. So I'm enjoying jumping on <laughs> on these spaces. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a crap fest most of the time, aren't they? Um, yeah. The last few you and I have been telling and, and listening to and, and stuff. Um, the professionalism behind them is is often lacking, to, to say the least. Or mm-hmm. they've got way too many people joining them and you're sat there for an hour waiting to say something for five minutes. Yeah. And I literally just came off of one of those Twitter spaces about, you know, 20 minutes ago, 23 projects for a one hour Twitter space. And they let the first two projects speak for about 10, 15 minutes without (laughs) shortening it. So I had to fortunately apologize to the host and say I had to leave. So uh, Yeah, I do not blame you. I do not blame you. But I I think they're cool. And I I think they're a nice way to to connect to people. And um, often they're followed up by interesting conversations and, and you know who's listening because they drop you a follow and then DM you or they'll, they'll find you on Discord or, or something. So it is a mm-hmm. nice way to connect to people and, and kind of get you out from behind the Discord channels and adds the voice to, to the community, which I think is nice. So they still have their place. Mm-hmm. I think the technology just needs to be improved. So this yes. nice nice microphone I have in front of me gets some, gets some use and... Then I can click some stuff on my desktop to throw some emojis and play some music on, on there. Like, There's so much more they can do, and hopefully uh, yeah. Elon's going to save us all with that one. Yeah, I was exactly about to say that. Hopefully Elon does make some improvements because it's definitely a double-edged sword. You know, if, if the Twitter space with a very good you know speaking group, a really good host, it's organized, succinct, there's an outline for what's being discussed, it, it can be a wonderful experience. But just a little upgrade from Elon, 
I'll be happy with Twitter Spaces again. And just, I just have to be careful with who, which hosts I actually go on their Twitter Spaces for moving forward. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's yeah. just just a simple thing like a scheduler on on the desktop app, like so I can click that, see who's forward planned their their spaces. You can search by topic, by influencer, by whatever, and then you can schedule yourself on to to listen because there must be some really really good content out there that if you happen to be by your computer, you're never going to see it because it doesn't show a space notification or anything on your computer. And mm-hmm. it's just it's just super hard to, to search for them. I think they'd get much more people and much bigger communities involved if just having a search function and a scheduler to go through. You know, yeah. Yeah, and I think things are definitely heading that direction. Like already there's a, on the Twitter app, there's a, a section just for spaces. So it, it's becoming easier to make all that browsing. And I imagine over time, it's going to mature and develop. And, uh, you know, it, there is a very good case to make that Twitter spaces might be kind of where a lot of uh, crypto and Web3 discussions are being held, you know, a, a true kind of public forum. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think voice is always going to be my preference over sending hundreds of messages via text and yes. the emotion of the project can come across and people can actually say what they mean and do Q and A's live and, and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Messages on discord and things can often be misconstrued and it takes much longer to communicate with, with the communities and, and bits and pieces. Yeah, um, exactly. So. Cause communication is more than just, just text. It's, you know, there's the emotion, there's tone uh, and a lot of things that can get lost in the communication line. Um, if it's just text. Um, yeah. It's a, we say in my job, text is just a form of delivering information. Voice is how you communicate. Yes. That's a great way to put it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, so anyway, so go, going back to uh, our, our theme for this is just analyzing the state of crypto uh, uh, as of today. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces. Crypto certainly is taking the world by storm. It's making headlines all over the place. And so I kind of want to start off uh, with some of these, some of these headlines of, of my research for this episode. Is let's talk about celebrities for a bit, if that's good with you. Yeah, man, I think we should probably start off with one of the tallest celebrities out there. <laughs> Dear yes. friend and a beloved basketball player, Shaq. Mr. Shaquille O'Neal himself is getting sued by the SEC for promoting an <laughs> uh, NFT project called Astrals that launched on Solana last year. Uh, so one of the things that we saw in the crypto space last year was kind of the uh, celebrity meta, where all of a sudden you had... A bunch of uh, celebrities like Madonna, Justin Bieber, Paris Hilton, Snoop Dogg, The Weeknd, and Shaquille O'Neal promoting some of these NFT projects. And now uh, here we are one year later and the SEC decided to uh, use their ban hammer to uh, nail these guys down. Uh, and it's kind of pretty pretty crazy. I, I did not realize that this was going on until uh, we were searching it and a friend uh send me an article to help out with some of this research. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What are, what are your initial thoughts on that? I, I think it's, I don't know. It's always weird, isn't it? I mean, if anyone went, who's breaking the law in crypto and, and NFTs, then I would I would say probably every single person registered on Binance or any other exchange has broken the law <laughs> inadvertently because none of us are declaring every single individual trade to the relative country's tax person like you meant to 
nobody's reporting any of the NFT trades that we do to the relevant tax authorities. It's the place that you live in, <laughs> which are two of the fundamental things you're meant to do when you're trading um, securities. None of the projects are registering their NFTs as a, as a security. So it, it, it is kind of a lawbreaker's playground, right? And I think, I think they're probably suing them for, for the wrong things. I think they should be sued for promote using their celebrity status to promote something um, that they know might not hold value. And it should be no different to a celebrity endorsing ice cream that gives you food poisoning. And they knowingly know it gives you food poisoning, but they want to sell a million buckets of ice cream or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think suing them for securities fraud or, or whatever dear old shack is is being done for is just a method for them to to kind of make another news article, another court case, and, and try and get some get some money back. Um, but I think knowingly using your celebrity status um, for your own gain through through kind of pimping out a product. Um, is is probably where I would be going after them personally, and better about yourself. Yeah, and um, I think uh, going through some of the these lawsuits, it seems like a common theme um, that you know. I mean, each lawsuit is going to be unique and has you know each one's going to be its own story. But a common theme is a uh, they were uh, promoting the sale of NFTs without disclosing that they were being compensated, and then the project itself, you know, getting sued for not registering as as securities. So it's kind of like a a bit of a mess <laughs> in, in a way. I mean, the, the technology is so new. I mean, people are just doing a lot of this for fun. They see, oh, cool monkey JPEG. Yeah, let's buy it. Hey guys, I just bought a monkey JPEG. And then in the course of that 10 minutes that could have had happened in, suddenly you, you just broke like 13 different United States laws that nobody's ever heard of or are as aware of to begin with. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's a challenge and I don't think anyone cares. Like no. nobody, nobody thinks twice when they're they're doing these trades, and if you you ever happen to file a tax return or or whatnot, that's when you scratch your head and go, "Huh, I probably should have kept track of all of this stuff," but 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 nobody does. Um, but mm-hmm. it is interesting, like like you said, what, last year or the last eighteen months, there was loads of celebrity endorsement for NFTs. It really did help the whole NFT crypto boom um, kind of come around when Solana was was pumping them out left, right and center. And now it's a ghost town when it comes to celebrity endorsements. You just don't see it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Lion, or just Snoop Doggy <laughs> Dog, whatever he's called this this week, was all over NFTs. He was a, a big fan and was kind of shilling them left, right and center. These guys were happily like gloating about their board ape yacht clubs i think hey didn't he, he weren't even planning to do something at the super bowl i seem to remember that there was rumors mm-hmm. that perhaps it did happen that snoop was going to go to the super bowl with his board ape yacht club nft coming up they were going to do the mutant vial thing and then it was going to turn into the the mutant apes maybe i've, I've dreamt this but mm-hmm. i swear that was going to be a thing yeah i remember mm-hmm. hearing something about that like he was going to wear like a board eight yacht club hoodie or something during his super bowl performance and i i don't remember what he was wearing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it used to be everywhere right mm-hmm. and now it's 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 just completely gone and perhaps perhaps it's the um kind of the taboo that's associated with crypto perhaps it's the these these kind of handful of examples 
that you listed out earlier with people being sued. So they're like, it's just not worth the risk. Mm-hmm. Or likewise, yeah, the other way around, you lose, you people can lose a lot of money on NFTs. Like we saw Logan Paul, he bought an NFT for $750,000 or something. And last I checked, you could now buy it for $50. Oh. You know, people, people lose a lot of money and, and the volatility of the market perhaps is not for for celebrity endorsement for themselves <laughs> or, or from themselves to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has taken the shine off of things. Right. Having yeah. said all this, it, it, it never never puts me in a bad mood seeing a celebrity be put in that place. Oh, I mean, like someone like Paris Hilton and like Jimmy Fallon, like, all right, Justin Bieber, cool. But Shaq, leave Shaq alone. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Shaq is a good guy. He's probably, yeah. probably one of my favorites. I mean, if you, you look at any celebrities, done a lot for people. And, and in fact, I think back in the day, Shaq turned down a massive Nike deal or, or something. And, and the, he bought out his own trainer brand and, and worked with Walmart to bring affordable trainers at a very, very cheap cost for, for underprivileged children. So you've got to give him props for that, right? He he, mm-hmm. he puts his money in, in the right places. And I've seen a few exactly. articles where he's turned down endorsements and bits and pieces because he, he doesn't want to be that guy. Yeah, and even the Astros project itself, the one that he's promoting, that was a project that uh, his son and one of his son's friends started. And so he was just helping his kid out. You know, it's so it, that one's a very nuanced one as well. Something like a Justin Bieber or Paris Hilton. I mean, yeah, that, that's a pretty black and white cut and dry case. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't quite realized that Astros was, was run by, by his son. Yeah, it was his son. I, I remember going in the Discord when Shaq was talking. I was like, this is so cool. I'm in a Discord with Shaq. This is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, that is, I ended up buying one and, and flipping it um, for a tidy profit. But uh, I didn't I, I didn't really see the big vision of the project, so I left it. and. Uh, and then, and then it died and Shaq got sued. So I would say I got lucky on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, we can easily say that as far as the state of the crypto market goes, that the uh, SEC suing a bunch of celebrities for promoting empties certainly added to the chill in the crypto markets and uh, part of this crypto winter. And it might be some time before we uh, start seeing celebrity endorsements again. And that might involve, you know, crypto projects having to actually register their NFTs as securities so that these celebrities don't have to worry about getting sued. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see kind of what comes first from a from a celebrity endorsement. Is it going to be when the inevitable bull run comes back? I still think summer of 24. I said it when the bear run happened. Is it going to be when there's so much money pumping back into the market that greed takes over and they're just like, yeah, we'll endorse whatever's going to throw us. Yeah. grand million pounds or whatever we'll worry about it later kind of like when the nft boom was <laughs> happening or is it going to take i don't know a really really good project to be formally recognized as a, a corporate entity um kind of with some some cool technology mm-hmm. and then it's endorsed because it's it just happens to be blockchain technology but it is natural company you know mm-hmm. like is it going to be that way round, or is it going to be the greed? I would like to think mm. it would be a proper corporate entity using blockchain technology. It would be great if it comes from the slums of Discord, mm. and it's this kind of zero to hero story. But I mean, his, <laughs> his, history's told me anything about the human race. If you start flagging some money, um, like the Netherlands tulip rush back whenever <laughs> yeah. that happened, the NFT boom, the crypto boom, people will will start 
saying anything about anything if you're going to give them a quick buck. Yeah, I like the way you phrase that, coming from the slums of Discord, because that's certainly how it feels ninety <laughs> percent of the time. <laughs> I feel like I'm on some some streets in Cairo where just everyone's just shouting, hawking their wares, and I'm like, please give me some peace and quiet a little bit here. <laughs> oh man, if Discord's the slums, I dread to think what Telegram is. But hey, that's, uh... oh, I don't even know <laughs> the opium den. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> gutters, isn't it? The gutters of the yeah. slums. Yeah, but as far as moving forward for that, yeah, I, I, maybe there is going to be a greed is what uh, fuels the next bull run. But I, I, I sure hope that it's the more the uh, maturation of the crypto space. I and mean, we already see, you know, organizations and corporations like Binance and Coinbase taking on SEC and lawsuits and they're not afraid. Uh, they're like, yeah, we'll fight this. We're, we're good. But in, in, that, in that token, I, I could see a world where kind of the profession of being like an NFT securities compliance officer becomes a very popular new Web3 career uh, so that all these projects who are making it big and make it blue chip status want to become legit, you know, so being from the, uh, you know, the Peaky Blinders of Discord, you know, switching over to becoming legit and (laughs) properly legal um, in the US and across the world. Um, you would probably need people who are well-versed in securities laws. They fully understand the how we test and uh, all the legal bells and whistles to help projects become legit and simplify that process for them. Yeah, but we'll have to look into that. It'd be interesting to see if an NFT project has formally gone through the how we test. Um, and for, for those that don't know what the how we test is, um, so it's kind of four four kind of tests. So it's is it an investment of money? There is an expectation of profits from the investment. The investment of money is a common enterprise or any profit comes from the efforts of a promoter or third party. So if it ticks any one of those four things, then it needs to be registered as a, as a security, which I mean... Oh, it's got to hit all, all four of those things. Oh, all four of those things. Okay, yes. my bad. So if it yeah, ticks all four sure. of those boxes, then uh, you're screwed, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And that's about 99% of most NFT projects and 99% of crypto tokens at the moment. So the SEC is taking their time of just cutting the heads off snakes, doing the high profile ones, hoping that everyone else just complies out of fear (laughs) (laughs) or just learns the, you know, gargantuan law book that is U.S. securities law. I I, I'm pretty sure people can spend five years studying that topic and they still have no clue what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there, must, there must be a project out there that's doing it. Or if not, then there should be. And maybe, I don't know. The thing is, if, if, they, right. if they did, I, I know what would happen. They would have a really great team and then they would release an NFT collection <laughs> that you would have to buy one of their NFTs burn it or something to then be able to get their services something dumb like that rather than just being an actual company that's helping the space they want to launch their own nfts and it would be mm-hmm. lawyers this is what the nft collection would look like it would either be a random jumbled mess of lawyers with all sorts of wacky characteristics or it'd be like silhouettes of lawyers like it's got to be lawyer themed right mm-hmm yeah, exactly. Like a, an NFT project run just by lawyers. I mean, I couldn't imagine any safer NFT project. <laughs> or, or literally, it's a team of 10 lawyers all around the world who have 30 years experience. But I mean, are those guys ever going to touch NFTs? Probably not. 
it's probably going to be some ambitious 30 year old who just came out of law school, zero experience in the field and <laughs> doing their best. Well, they're the best ones, right? They've got the best ideas. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, so what else do we have going on in the uh, crypto, the state of the crypto market? Yes, I mean, just today, hot off the press, Bitcoin slams another 10% off of its number. Mm. Kind of, uh, I don't know if you were a normal investor looking at stocks and shares, you you would be looking at a, a, a tall building now, thinking <laughs> if it was worth it or not. I mean, in a, in a crypto space, it's just another day. It's just another bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 10% doesn't phase us. But for the news networks out there, big 10% mm-hmm. slump um, with the, I guess, the market cap of Bitcoin and stuff. An enormous amount of money has been been taken off. There's there's rumors that Elon Musk, obviously it's Elon Musk's fault. Obviously. He's of everything now. <laughs> but apparently SpaceX announced um, that they've now sold all of their Bitcoin no, but whether or not that's true, who knows? Because at one point he was saying they never held any. Now they're saying, are they? And he had four hundred million dollars worth. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Only four hundred million, just you know, chump change. For, for yeah, just, just just chump change. But no, about there's about one billion dollars in liquidations today um, because of the sharp sell off of, of across Bitcoin and and Ether. Mm-hmm. And for one poor soul, um, he lost $55 million, which I think accounted for the third of all daily traffic um, for Ether on on Binance today. Lost $55 because wow. about one would assume his stop loss triggered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, $55 million loss wow. in a single 24-hour trading period is is not good. Yeah, I mean, it seems like bloodbaths are pr- pretty common in the crypto space. I mean, we, we see uh, something go down 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 percent. We're like, oh, it's Wednesday. Cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time, time, day. time to buy. And then it goes back up sometime later. And like, all right, we're rich again. This is great. <laughs> but I always feel bad for the people who who do take out those loans and get get liquidated because, yeah, it's a risky business. You know, crypto loans, they can be amazing. And I remember playing around with some of that stuff and it was like, oh, stick my crypto and I get a loan and then I use that loan to buy more crypto and it goes up. I sell it. I just got free profit. Super easy. But yeah, it's, it starts it's, going down. It's like, all right, well, everything you just staked, it, now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's bonkers that it's allowed to happen. I mean, it's leverage trading, right? Yes. I mean, it's ultimately what it is. I mean, the UK... Is pretty much made. It's like contracts in in the US. You you guys can do that against stocks. We've banned that in the UK because of how volatile it is. We have something slightly different. Um, I can't remember what the name is now, but you're place basically placing bets per point raised mm-hmm. on there. But I, I mean, taking a loan against a a crypto asset, a volatile asset to rebuy volatile assets is, <laughs> yeah. is just asking for for a disaster. And I mean. Oh, we yeah. saw it in in the last, last what, forty eight hours, seventy two hours. So season three of the D Gods has has been announced. They called it the Great Big Downgrade, but I don't think they realised is they, <laughs> they didn't mean downgrade the charts to zero. Yeah, like new art came out, art art at the end of the day. Um, I mean they they played it off. They all of the traits that were released were actually Ute's traits just redone and, and put on the, the D-Gods. I can't remember what the actual traits that, that, that came out, but basically they'd just kind of airbrushed some bits and pieces out, made some of the D-Gods look a little bit worse, some a lot more worse. Mm-hmm. And the price has just fallen and fallen and fallen. But yeah, the challenge... Okay. Go 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say like numbers wise, yes. Uh, someone mentioned yesterday that uh, they went from a, a ten Ethereum floor price, which is about twenty thousand dollars per NFT, and they slumped all the way down to a four Ethereum floor price, which you know you go from twenty k down to eight k per NFT. So you know, huge, and it's a it's a massive blue chip as well. So that's a pretty significant uh, shift for an NFT. Collection. Oh, it's 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 huge, but the the, the problem with it is is lots of people use things um, like SharkFi and, and things to take out loans mm-hmm. against their D-Gods because there's like, there's no way my D-Gods is going to go down to this price that I've taken a loan against. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll take this out. I'll make the money back and I'll, I'll pay off the loan because the price is going to go up, whatever. The reverse has happened here and it's dropped so hard that people's loans just could not be paid off because they'd taken out too much money against them. The loans were being liquidated. People were getting free D-gods, which were then being immediately listed to be sold because they're like, hey, I've just got a free $20,000 JPEG that I can immediately sell. Mm-hmm. And then that was compounded by a couple of um, big whales. So um, one of the, the whales, I forget her name now, basically floor sold 100 D-gods um, and, and she single-handedly took the price down by a couple of F. Um, and then there's another chap called Mochi who who holds 300 D-gods and has just been flooring them and just dumping and dumping and dumping and dumping and dumping, causing, causing wow. absolute carnage. Now, people are buying them, right? But they're being listed so fast and it's still a lot of money. Like if, if, if you've got 20 grand lying around, great. Like you're, you're financially well off kind of thing if it's in, in your bank account would you turn that around and throw it at a jpeg probably not right mm-hmm. i mean you could afford a couple hundred quid here and here and there so people just didn't have the money to buy these d gods quick enough because they were so expensive mm-hmm. and now we're just seeing the price through the floor and again i don't know if it was a rumor or not but basically uh frank who owns d gods was messaging begging them to stop dumping on the <laughs> on on oh. on the onto the floor to keep the price. You guys are up. killing my baby. Please stop. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yeah. What ten f to three f or ten f to four f? I mean, if you think of the probably the hundreds of millions of dollars that's been wiped off the market value across ten thousand mm-hmm. odds, right? Like it's it's just bonkers and yeah, and it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, the crypto spin. Oh, go ahead. I just could say, but moreover, I mean, with the D gods in particular, I mean they're they started playing around with their dust token again, um, which coincidentally, and, and we can thank our friend Cook for, for tweeting about this, It's they they had some VCs that um, kind of put some equity forwards almost a year ago now, and that's becoming unlocked, um, I think, in the form of dust. So it's a bit coincidental to me that season mm. three is timed around the VC unlock for all of their their dust and now he's just absolutely had the market murdered underneath him <laughs> it's, mm. it's gonna, it's yeah yeah i mean it's uh you know i, I just have a you know tin crypto crypto tinfoil hat on that as it seems kind of coordinated like a coordinated dump and then pump maybe <laughs> yeah who, not, too, not who, sure why you would do that but uh who knows but yeah i mean the crypto space is still definitely the wild wild west even though it's getting huge so i can't imagine what it was like in the wild west as it got more populated and more popular and more powerful. So I think that's the story that we're seeing here. There's a lot of sharks in the water. And if you're someone like a, a DeFi exchange, 
where you're the ones who are accepting all these liquidations because you gave out some loans. Yeah, I mean, you're basically playing a, a kind of a gamble and a bet and just bet like, yeah, I'm betting that the price is going to dump at some point. And if that happens, I take all your shit. <laughs> yeah. And so now all these DeFi companies and, and organizations are just, just making it large now, just getting all these assets, you know, for free, essentially. Yeah. No wonder they call themselves ShopFi. Yeah. That makes it's, sense. It's, it's, it's right there. You know, I mean, there's the no false <laughs> advertising here. We, are, we say who we are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But if, yeah. I mean, we, we can see that the, the NFT market has not recovered. And I'm curious to, to know, like, do you think it's ever going to recover? I, I think it, it certainly will. Um, so what we're seeing is the RWA space is getting way more popular. Things are heating up on that side of things. And uh, I know you did a good amount of research uh, on that end. But uh, one thing that I wanted to uh, kind of quote from an article that I read was uh, something about the Boston Consulting Group uh, did an analysis of the RWA market. And they assessed that the this, uh, I don't know what you would call it, the industry, this field, that this market um, would grow to $16 trillion by 2030. So that is a lot of pie for the world to eat up and get a small piece of it between now and 2030. <laughs> That's so much pie. I mean, if we bought so that much pie with 16 trillion, how many times around the earth do you think you'd wrap the earth with pie? I, I don't know. I, I really want to actually answer this question and run the numbers. How many pies <laughs> with $16 trillion? And what would that look like? <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a that's a that's a lot of a lot of dollars. Now we don't have the context behind how they got that valuation, but I'd be curious to throw this at you. Do you think they've just taken the value of every tangible asset in the world and just given it a one to one value? Because technically, with RWAs, you can fractalize anything. Well, technically that, but you also have to consider that. Well, it also creates its own market for those tangible assets, right? So you have something like Tesla, they make X amount of revenue and profit, but then they have all these shares that are being sold on their own separate market. And so the valuation of those shares are way, way higher than what the actual you know book worth of the company is. True, so true. it's kind of like you have to factor in a multiplier of not only what's the value of all real world assets in the world right now, but you also have to put in that multiplying factor of, well, if they have a secondary... Uh, market, like a proxy market, I mean, and those balloon up, I mean, it could even be even bigger. Who knows? <laughs> it's all brand new and no one's tried it yet. So, you know, it's it's very much up in the air. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was that recent example, a company called Freeport, um, fraction, fraction, fractionalized. It's always a hard way to say that. Fractionalized. Shares of a, an Andy Warhol painting. So they they fractionalized it into a thousand tokens and um, as of having this podcast i mean they're selling for 200 dollars each now i don't know the original price of that painting but is that worth more now it's been split into tokens than than it would have been that, that would be interesting to know so mm -hmm. would could could you have previously bought it for 100 grand and now they doubled in value because more people have access to the thing that they they have that interest in yeah, I mean, that's what makes it so interesting is because you have an actual value for that real world asset as if it was bought. So, I mean, the painting, it could be worth $100 million. And it, that's what it's worth, technically, like objectively speaking, by the artists and the evaluators. Um, so, all right, so it has a floor value because that's how much it costs. But then now you have the fractionalized ownership and that can go up and down and 
who knows? My, my question would be if, um, if you have, you know, NFTs representing shares of ownership of a $100 million painting, but then the total price of all those NFTs goes down to, say, $50 million or a much lower, does that affect the evaluation of the underlying asset? Or does it still maintain its value because of its inherent worth? Now, I would, I would say that once you stick something on the blockchain, then the real world no longer owns the rights to, to see, like, to derive the value of that item because it can only get onto the blockchain if it's been validated that it's authentic. So there's the real world check. And then the market decides the value. And mm. so if the market turns around and says, do you know what? You're not flavor of the week anymore. Your million dollar painting is now worth a hundred pounds. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Now the DAO or the people with the voting rights might turn around and go, holy, holy crap, we're losing loads of money here. <laughs> Let's find a billionaire or something that wants to buy this and have one-to-one ownership over it. You mm-hmm. could have that. Right? You could have that eBay buy now price, one-to-one token. You buy it all for this higher price, and there's there's you reset the market valuation. Mm. That's that's my opinion, anyway. That's a great concept, actually. Yeah, I really like that. So it's almost as if you have like a kind of a resurrection uh, of a valuation of an asset. If it's something subjective, like what is a painting worth, kind of kind of thing, um, I, I would I would imagine taking over to a more real estate angle, it, it would also be interesting to see how that would affect housing markets, and I can see how that could just be cause so much chaos and disruption in in housing and real estate uh, if if that's how things go. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I think introduce fair value. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, that's what this introduces because. It really does demonstrates the supply and demand. I mean, if if let's say the whales want to, to fix the prices, buy more of the tokens. You know, mm-hmm. like that's if you really want to make somebody think that your Marilyn painting is worth one hundred ninety five million dollars, buy all the tokens and then raise the price. Mm-hmm. You know, but your price is only going to go up with token volume. Yeah. So you're always going to have to sell some of your tokens. To, to people now with the strategy then to be hold 99% of the tokens yourself and just trade with 1% volume and slowly cut the price and say, hey, now it's worth this, but you've just created a supply demand issue where there's there's more people interested in the amount of tokens available to purchase. Now that's an interesting concept. Yeah. But in terms of the, the property, yeah, I mean, a wild experiment that would be. Such a no crazy way. experiment. <laughs> it, it would just completely just... I can't even imagine the amount of chaos it, it would cause if, you know, your your house, the house next door, for whatever reason, their NFTs dumped, and so the house next door is only worth two hundred thousand dollars now. But you live in next door, and it was worth seven hundred fifty thousand. So how does that affect the neighborhood's price if one uh, RWA like NFT collection for a house drops? You know, it's it would be. I really want. I really want to see how this works. <laughs> I want yeah, to see that. I, I, I think. I don't know. This you'd have to properly model it out, like a proper economic model on the right way to tokenize certain assets, because you it wouldn't be sensible in my mind anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like looking at my house, I wouldn't tokenize that and allow other people to 
to buy. Yeah, shipping. No, it would have to be more like a, an Airbnb, a rental house, something of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. And then you could have like like a timeshares where other people can visit it and, and bits and pieces. But mm-hmm. could it also have the adverse effect? Because we all know greed rules all. And yes. would you have people going, we're going to pump this price and pump this price and pump this price. Right. <laughs> we're going to all agree to raise the rent and find one person that can afford this now $20,000 a month rent for this. Like, would you have the opposite and actually housing pricing would fly through the roof? Yeah. Like say someone like Shaq decides, you know what? I want to help rebuild, you know, Skid Row. So I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to tokenize it. And I'm going to all my buddies, we're going to keep buying and buying and raising the value of this house to $30 million in a neighborhood. <laughs> that's, you know, not worth $30 million per house. Could be interesting. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I, I, I think you would have to, because when you add the item to the blockchain, you'd have to set the base value of what you you had it valued at by by a real world person that sets the token price once you you divide it up, and then because you're not going to have the trade volume, one would assume of kind of a, a crypto token where thousands could be traded within five minutes, kind of thing. You'd almost have to have an auction process per token mm-hmm. so somebody enters and goes okay you've said this token's worth 200 dollars. i'll throw in a, a buy buy offer at 190 mm-hmm. and then that if some of that gets sold then everyone else's goes to 190 i don't know because that could yeah. cause a cascading effect on the price yeah because if you it's it's it would it's, need some proper modeling yeah i think we, we've definitely went on a very interesting sidetrack because just, <laughs> just check back in our show notes like where was this in our show notes at all? this is nowhere to be found <laughs> so let's, let's tie it together and this is how we'll tie it together is well obviously you know any market is open to manipulation and what the big players and the whales do given any industry is going to have some resounding effects in that and so tying it back to rwas is and the state of the crypto market in general would be um, another little piece of research we found was uh, one of the giants in mutual funds, Franklin Templeton, of which I actually bought a part of a mutual fund back when I was 18 years old working at a coffee shop. I bought shares of Franklin Templeton. <laughs> I didn't realize that they actually launched a fund on the blockchain back in 2021, and they just expanded to the Polygon blockchain uh, this year. And they are the first fund that's the first U.S. registered mutual fund to use the public blockchain process for all the transactions and recording. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty huge news. I had no idea that they were already so far ahead in the game. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And this, this kind of has been the underlying tone to many of our, our conversations and podcasts is it's going to start taking some of these big boy players in the market to use the technology and people not realize they're using it for blockchain to become accepted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's kind of like was, uh, people don't know how the internet works, but they don't need to. They just need to know just enough to do exactly what they want, and that's it. They don't need the technical, you know, multiple university advanced courses to understand how internet works. Yeah, so as long as my bananas turn up at the front door when I press buy now, then, then exactly. Perfect. We don't need to know how Amazon has their logistics system. All I know is I'll buy it. I'll hit the button and they say it's going to show up tomorrow. And it does. Zero questions. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> yeah. And your slave labor workforce that you have. Yeah, but I got my banana <laughs> in less than a day. So who cares? Right. <laughs> That's most people's mentality, I, I would suppose. Yeah, absolutely. But no, super interesting. I think 
next podcast, we will have to talk around Coinbase's new base chain. Yes. We've been playing around with that this yeah. last few weeks and some interesting stuff coming up there. So we can we can pick that up next time. Yeah, definitely. And that was probably the fastest 40 minutes of my life because I did not realize we just blew through all that so quickly. And we haven't even gotten to the other points that we made. So yeah, I would love to go over the base chain and kind of what the future of uh, Web3 and crypto kind of holds. But yeah, I guess to tie it all together, that's essentially a quick snapshot of the current state of the market and uh, the history up to this moment. And we'll see where things go moving forward. Wonderful. Perfect summary. Yes. Let's hit the outro. Let's hit the outro. Let's see if it actually pops up on the recording this time. <laughs> You've been listening to the Two Strangers One and Two Podcast. I've been Casey Rito. And I've been Omega. And we'll see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>